0: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another MyJS story. Um, this week, we're going to be talking to John Schlinkert. He was on episode 98 of JavaScript Jabber, and uh, we talked about Assemble.io. Do you remember that far back, John?
1: Vaguely. It's been, <laughs> it's been a couple years, yeah. Of course I remember. Lots happened between now and then,
0: though. Yeah, I'll bet. Um We're just going to jump right in on these questions and we'll get to what you're working on and what's gone on over the last few years. Um, The first question, and this is the one that I think is sometimes the most interesting one, is how did you get started programming?
1: Well, it's kind of a fun story to me because um, I didn't really intend to get into programming. It It just happened as a consequence of my situation a few years ago. Um, about five years ago, I was, I was in a different, completely different career. I'd been in business development and strategy related things and consulting for a number of years. And, um, I always, I, I was always engaged with something programming related, but I was one of those guys that would go into a meeting and talk about APIs and I really had no idea what I was talking about. And one day I, I read this book, um, called fortune at the bottom of the pyramid and it it made me aware of uh, a poverty problem that 80% of the world population lives on less than $2 a day was the thing that struck out to me. And, um, since I was doing a lot of consulting and supply chain related things, I thought, you know, this is, um, the, the more and more I learned about this problem, the more I realized that supply chain needs were connected to this problem. Meaning there are a lot of impoverished communities around the world where they, um, you know, everybody in the community is somewhat of a of an entrepreneur of sorts or farmers, um, You know, companies like Kiva are trying to make an impact in these communities. But at the end of the day, there's a supply chain problem because they're producing things and people that are in the connected world economy are coming in and buying these products. Um, But none of that money, none of that commerce actually gets back into the community. So I I set out to try to find a supply chain way to solve it. And I came up with an idea for a platform um, that I still am very, very committed to building. Um, And I I tried to raise some funding at the time and it didn't work. And what it came down to is I think a lot of people just were um, rightfully... You know thinking hey this is going to be tough to execute and you don't you don't have any control over the, the development of it and um you know i didn't even know how to speak to how we were going to build this thing so i decided to learn how to program and uh, my wife was a programmer so she was very encouraging but the first step was was uh just creating a github actually i had a github account already from like 2010 this was 2012 when i decided to learn how to program so that's where this. that's where it all be I'll start
0: Hey, everybody. This is Charles Maxwood. I just wanted to talk to you really briefly about JS Remote Conf. Uh, we just picked speakers. Things are looking really good. And uh, we're really excited to cover a broad range of topics for JavaScript developers. So if you're looking to learn things about Node.js, about becoming a better developer, about deployment, about mobile development, and much more, and much more about JavaScript, then come check us out jsremoteconf.com. Uh, you can also find it by going to devchat.tv slash conferences and then picking the conference you want. We have last year's recordings there, we have this year's uh, conference coming up, so make sure you get your ticket and we'll see you there.
1: That's where, this, that's where it all be all started.
0: You know, I'm I'm going to call something out here because it seems okay. like a lot of the people that I've done the MyJS story with, you know, we had Michael Rogers from Node.js and uh, Isaac <laughs> Schluter from NPM and... You know, I've had some of the other guests from JavaScript Jabber, um, Joe Eames. Um, You know, it seemed like everybody kind of got involved with programming at a very early age. You know, some of these guys got started when they were like 12 or 13 programming. And yet, you know, you came to it as an adult, um, tried to solve an actual problem with it. And then you've been a successful programmer since then. And I just want to encourage people, you don't have to have a computer science degree and 15 years of experience by the time you're 25 in order to be
1: a successful programmer. That's a very good point. I Okay, at the, at the cost of exposing my age here, I started programming when I was 39. I'm 42 now. So I had, (laughs) I had a basically a full business development career behind me Mm -hmm. and a lot of people thought I was kind of crazy, but honestly, my, my goal wasn't to learn how to program. I just kept telling myself, I'm going to learn enough programming to be able to tell this story and to be able to communicate with developers and to be able to, you know, say what I want to achieve here. One thing led to another and I just absolutely loved everything about it. Just, and it just kept going.
0: That makes a ton of sense. So, were you programming in JavaScript at that point, or did you come to JavaScript a little later?
1: Actually, the very first thing I did was I, I didn't have any hope of actually learning how to write code, real code. I mean, I I just wanted to learn how to design and build a prototype. So, the very first thing I did was learn HTML and CSS, and then I ended up joining the um, the Less JS uh, core team after about a year. And the, the main uh, the main contribution that I made there was just documentation because I really didn't know enough code or or anything to contribute to the core code base. So, you know, I thought I, the way that I can contribute here is by just taking some of the documentation and streamlining it and making it a little bit easier to consume. So I did that for a little while. And then, um, and I remember the day that I actually decided to learn JavaScript. I, I have a friend, his name is Brian Woodward, and he's also very ac- active on GitHub. And I, I approached him and said, you know what, I want to build this, this uh, tool that makes it a lot easier for me to generate these prototype pages that I'm trying to create here. And I was trying to explain it to him and he kept saying, you know, it sounds like Visual Studio, it just sounds like your average IDE. And I was like, no, no, no. It turned out it was you uh, it was more like what you would call a static site generator today. Right. But okay. But so the very first JavaScript project that I built was this very early, you know, preliminary version of what is now Assemble. And I, I finally, you know, it was my first JavaScript project. It was terrible when I created it, but I brought it to Brian and he said, Oh, okay, I, I see what you're trying to build here. So he, he, he rebuilt it in a couple hours. And,
0: uh, <laughs> Isn't that always a good feeling?
1: Oh, oh yeah. made made him feel great. Yeah, <laughs> sure. no, it was a, it was a great feeling to me too, because I thought, you know, I didn't really care how it got done. I just, right. I just wanted to have the tool and, and also being able to write to me anyway, write something in code and then have a really experienced, excellent developer like Brian rewrite that code and then having the opportunity to go back and look through it and see how he did the things that I was trying to do but correctly that was incredibly instructive for me and it was just it, it really helped me learn a lot faster than I would have otherwise
0: that makes a lot of sense so assemble was your uh, pathway into JavaScript so to speak
1: yeah yeah it was it was And a trial think, by
0: fire holy cow
1: yeah no kidding I mean it was uh I don't know if it's coincidence or just because I happen to be coming from, um, a background where I think, I think because I was in a business development sales type background, when we created assemble, I think it was more appealing to people from a usability standpoint than it might've been otherwise. That's my theory anyway. But so we started, um, a lot of our focus has been on creating productivity tools since then because that's what we need for our own stuff. And, and I think hopefully that helps other people too.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. The The second question that I usually ask is how you got into JavaScript, and, and we kind of went through that. Um, so, yeah, so you're talking about other productivity tools now, and that leads to the next question, which is uh, what contributions have you made to the community and, and possibly since Assemble?
1: It, the last couple of years have been absolutely just mind-boggling and, and amazing to me. If I, if I could, I, I still remember the first time that I committed code to GitHub because it was only a few years ago, and... I was so nervous for some reason. I thought, you know, I'm just, I just don't know this world. I haven't been in programming for a long time. So I created this project on GitHub and I, I remember pushing it up and thinking, you know, I didn't know a lot of developers at the time. And I thought people were just going to blast my work and, and whatever, but it's programmers are not like that at all. It was an amazing experience for a couple months. Nobody really noticed what I was doing. So, um, it gave me the freedom and ability to just learn step-by-step step and um to to tell you how i got from there to here and the tools that we're working on now i think it'll it'll make a lot more sense if i just kind of explain how we did that but at first the goal was just creating tools that would make me faster at programming and make it easier for us to start building the things that we needed so just we focused on creating really small what we call micro libraries is I guess the mm-hmm. common term for them but the main reason we did it wasn't because of some belief in a convention or belief that micro libraries were like the great thing to create it's just really honestly what my capabilities were at the time I couldn't create anything more than that so we, I created these small self encapsulated libraries that did one thing and over time they started to get a little bit better and and this really strange thing happened I think it's strange because when I look back at code that I did you know a couple years ago I cringe sometimes but um, all of a sudden, our, start, our, our uh, project started to get used. And um, we noticed that I, because of my background, I look at our stats a lot. That gives me a good gauge as to whether or not pr- we're providing value or people are are using our tools. And we try to use that to decide you know, what really we need to be paying attention to and so on and so forth. But um, I think now our, our tools are being downloaded about 650 million times a month right now. Holy cow. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty pretty incredible number but it has happened 100% organically over time and I think a lot of the reason that the numbers have continued to grow is just that we continue to respond to we build what we need first and we look at whether or not other people are using those tools too and we use that as a gauge to continue working in certain areas and to not work in other areas if that makes sense
0: right so you said tools that increase your productivity as a programmer Um, can you give me a few examples or ideas absolutely
1: Absolutely. So specifically, there's a suite of tools that we created that are all built around a an application called Base. And if you go to GitHub and then the organization Node Node Base slash Base is the is the tool. We use that as a building block for building a number of other applications. And I say building block because it's it's really kind of a light application framework that lets you scaffold out applications. Kind of like using plugins like building blocks. So we we used Base to build four other applications that cover the entire developer lifecycle for us. For and when I say lifecycle, I'm talking specifically about um, scaffolding out and prototyping new applications, getting them to a state where the user interface is completely fleshed out, and then making it as easy as possible to go from there to a dynamic, you know, production quality application and the the four applications that we built on top of base are called generate which is a project generator it's a lot like yeoman if you're familiar with that Uh and then assemble which is um, we we really describe it as a static site generator but it really does a lot more than that Um, it just makes it very easy to to organize components and build in a way where your individual parts of your application are highly reusable But so there's generate, then assemble. And then we use verb to do all of the documentation for the code that we create. And then the fourth tool is called update. And update is a a plugin based tool where each plugin does one specific thing. Um, The example I always use is just up, we have a plugin that updates copyright dates, for instance, that's all it does. It just scans a project for for copyright dates and it tries to update those dates um, to the latest. And so we use a series of plugins with update to help us do things like update the the linting tools and all the things that take time away from productivity.
0: Right. That's really interesting. We just did an episode with Corey House on JavaScript Jabber, and he talked about um, base projects, Um, you know, so it's just kind of your general setup so that you don't have to do the setup every time you start a new project. And he he cited something like what update solves in the sense that – you know, you, if you don't keep that base uh, project up to date, then what happens is you have to go in and you have to update all of the uh, node modules that you've pulled in that are now lo- no longer up to date. And so it sounds yeah, exactly. like that handles that along with, like you said, updating uh, copyright dates and things like that.
1: Exactly, I think, you know, whatever the, you know, whatever your poison is or your tool of choice, I think it's, that's, that would be like my own personal key to productivity is finding things that I'm comfortable with and that I like to use to, to make it really easy to just stay productive and work on code and not have to work on all of the little things that are distracting and, and that have to be done nonetheless, but they're not really related to what you're delivering in the product.
0: Yeah. It, uh, it reminds me a little bit of some of the things I'm going through with just the business of running the podcasts where it's, you know, I'm finding these things that, yeah, I don't need or want to think about. And so I'm either hiring somebody to do it or I'm using automation systems like Zapier or, uh, buffer or things like that, where it's, yeah, it's like, look, you know, don't make me think about this, just do it for me. And that way I can focus on making great content or writing code for fun or whatever it is that I feel like I have to contribute.
1: Yeah, exactly. I, it's interesting because back in my prior career, one of the things that I remember, having to emphasize a lot when I was consulting with small businesses or startups or fundraising is, is involved. And people were, you know, looking for ways to wrap a valuation strategy around their company. I would always have to explain that companies that are scalable will always be valued more, you know, have higher valuations. Mm-hmm. The point is that the things that make you not scalable are things like what you're talking about hiring and um, people focused companies are, are hard to scale. Consulting businesses are hard to scale. And so a lot of the, uh, focus for me is finding ways to make myself scalable to a degree uh you know like how, how can i systematize um all of the things that make my time uh, that tax my time that take me away from doing the things that make me productive
0: yeah that makes sense so uh I, I have to ask then is this what you're working on now or are there some other things you want to talk about that you kind of have in the works that you're working on
1: well at um, there are a couple things. One thing right now that's it's, this is just kind of a completely side thing that I've wanted to do for a while. So We have like thousands of wiki pages that we've created for d- documenting certain things in sell side in the business we're trying to create, and um, we've wanted to convert those to Markdown for a while. So I recently created a tool called Sledgehammer. I haven't published it yet, but I'm going to be publishing it like in the next couple of days. It's called Sledgehammer, and it and it converts HTML to Markdown. And um, I know there are other tools that do this, but Sledgehammer is comprehensive and it does a really good job. So I'm pretty excited about that. And we're also—I uh, don't have a lot to say about this yet, but we're also getting pretty close to launching CellSide. We'll be doing that in the next few months.
0: Very cool. Yeah, this episode will come out toward the end of February, I think. So. Oh, cool. Um, hopefully, the timing coincides very nicely.
1: Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. CellSide sure. is going to be—it's uh, going to be an interesting journey because it's—it's uh, it's going to allow you to build applications that. Um, I think we'll use a lot of the same code and a lot of the same plugins and applications that people are already familiar with from Brian and I and other things in the community so
0: yeah and you've mentioned Brian a few times I just want to call out that he was also on that episode that you appeared in on in JavaScript Jabber for
1: yep that, that's a good point it's Brian Woodward he goes by Dube, which is uh wood uh, this is part mm-hmm. of his name backwards so
0: <laughs> yep so uh, so yeah yeah, so um, I'm not sure if I was super clear on what CellSide is doing. So do you want to just give me sort of the f- five-second or 30-second or one-minute over uh, overview or elevator pitch on what CellSide's about?
1: No problem. I'll give you the, the three-second pitch. All right. CellSide's job is to make B2B integrations as easy as social networking. That's Dang. pretty much it.
0: I post to Twitter, your life gets better. I like that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we won't say a whole lot more about it right now, but in a couple of months, I'd love to, uh, you know, I'll, I'll start up to, updating things a lot more.
0: Sounds good. Uh, anything else that you're working on? Any other side projects that you want to call out?
1: Not today. I think I think that, um, well, th- there is one thing. I, I'm starting a guide to productivity, and I'd love to have people come and help me make that better.
0: Productivity that- for people in general or just for programmers? For developers there...
1: developers oh. yeah it's a guide to staying productive it is literally just at the very start but I think this is something that is pretty universally interesting to developers and something I'd love to see and I would love to have people come and help me make this better and tell us you know create an issue or or contribute and tell me tell us what your tips are and what your um, what your advice is for staying productive and I'd love to be able to incorporate that into the guide as I created
0: that sounds really fascinating because I've kind of become a productivity nut myself, but mostly it's on the podcast end. But at the same time, I see a lot of parallels between what I'm doing and programmers. And I'm you know, i like, wow, well, man. Yeah, yeah. somebody should write that book. John, go write that book.
1: <laughs> well, we'll start with a guide and go from there. And okay. then maybe somebody much more talented than me can come along and write the actual book version of it. Oh, there you go.
0: Very cool. Mm-hmm. Well, um, before we do picks, uh, really quickly, if people want to uh, keep tabs on things, especially if they're interested in sell-side um, or Sledgehammer, which you said you haven't released yet, but should soon. Um, where do they go? Do they just follow you on Twitter or fo- uh, star a project on GitHub or what?
1: Yeah, I'd say the best way is to follow me on GitHub first, and, uh, and Twitter is also a good choice.
0: Okay, how do they find you on both those places?
1: I'm on uh, both with the same username, which is John Schlinkert, one word, all lowercase, and that's J-O-N-S-C-H-L-I-N-K-E-R-T.
0: All right, and we'll put that in the show notes as well. Thank you. Hey there, this is Charles Maxwood, and I just wanted to talk to you really briefly about Freelance Remote Conf. I'm putting on a conference for people who want to go freelance or who are freelance, and bringing in some of the experts from The Freelancer Show to talk to you about how to find clients, how to collect money, how to build your business, how to specialize, and much, much more. So if you're thinking about going freelance, or you're already freelance and want to hear from the experts on how to go, become, or grow your freelancing business, then by all means come check us out at freelancermilkcomp.com. we will put that in the show notes as well. Thank you. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do some picks. Do you have some picks you want to share with us?
1: I'm going to just re I'm going to rehash the same picks that I mentioned a minute ago because I'm so excited about about these tools, but it would be generate, assemble, verb, and update because they, they create this one, um, they all share a plugin ecosystem, by the way. So if you create a plugin for generate or you create a plugin for assemble, it's usable with any of those four tools and they cover the whole developer lifecycle. So I'm just really trying to get the word about, word out about those.
0: Nice. I have another question. Why did you call the sure. GitHub organization node base?
1: We wanted base, but it was already taken, so we called it Node Base because it's really your base for your your starting point for building a Node.js application.
0: Gotcha. So this is really focused around Node. Uh, do these tools provide uh, a basis for just in general Node apps, or are you focused more around like web and Express? Or
1: that's a good question. I should. So Base itself is much more Node focused because okay. um, you know it's it's really centered around building a JavaScript. JavaScript application, but generate, assemble, verb, and update are abstracted one level away from that. So you can use generate to, to create, to scaffold out any kind of application. Okay. It could be Ruby or, or Python or anything. Assemble is much more web focused, building things with templates and building web applications. Um, but of course you could use it to build anything um, that's really template driven. And uh, verb is, is very JavaScript documentation focused. Um, but update is also agnostic. So update and generator are fairly agnostic. agnostic. Assemble and verb are a little bit more JavaScript focused.
0: All right, very cool. Uh, I'm going to jump in here with a few picks myself. Um, the first one is, is uh, as I've mentioned, probably in some of these. And by the time this goes out, I will have long since hired somebody. Uh, but I've been going through this hiring process and trying to find an executive assistant um, and just making sure that I get the right person in the right position that's going to stick around for a while. And uh, one of the things that I did was I actually set up um, and, and had them take a disk profile. That's D-I-S-C, D is dominant, I is interpersonal or inspiring, S is steady and supportive, and C is cautious, and um, they're, they're kind of process task-driven people. Um, and so if, if you look at it, you take the assessment. Most people, if you take the full assessment, you're going to have a very dominant and slightly less dominant um, area. And so uh, my disc profile is I'm an extremely high I with a slightly less high D. So I am the interpersonal, uh, talkative, social person that probably surprises no one who listens to the show. Um, <laughs> and then uh, the D part of the personality, it, like I said, is the dominant. I like to be in control. I like things to go my way. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not demanding per se. But yeah, at the same time, you know, I, I do like to have things uh, work out my way and I like being in charge. So that's been kind of interesting, and then having people take this assessment, I'm looking for somebody who's much more on the C or S end because I want somebody who's gonna come in on this supportive end and help out, um, or that is very task-oriented and checklist and get stuff done kind of person um, who can do the kind of work that I want done. And so it's been kind of fun to just see how many of these people, almost every applicant that I've had that I've had take the disk assessment has been an S, a high S, which is also interesting. Um, so that, I think the people with that kind of personalities tend to, uh, self-select toward executive assistant roles, but yeah, this has been fun. If you're interested in the people finding out how you, uh, interoperate with the people you work for, uh, have them all take the disc assessment. You can take it for free. Uh, the free assessment is pretty basic, but it's good enough to get an idea about people. And so that's what I've been having people do. Uh, you can take the full assessment and then you get a better idea about people, but yeah, I really like that. And it's a really great way to just get an idea of what people are about. Uh, one other thing that I'm going to pick is, um, and I didn't really like them for a long time, but I kind of came around and that's Facebook groups. Um, I've got a number of business associates in different groups now you know, on Facebook that I collaborate with or talk to on a regular basis. And it's really great way to just keep keep tabs and keep track of uh, what's going on with everybody and, and get the help that you need online. So yeah, I'm going to pick those as well. I know they're not super deeply technical, but they're awesome. So, yeah. Uh, thank you for coming, John.
1: Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you so so much for uh, having me on.
0: Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm really curious. I'm going to have to try out some of these tools, and maybe we'll have to get you back on JavaScript Jabber here in a, a month or something.
1: I'd love to. I'd love to. Thank you.
0: All right. We'll just cut it right there, and uh, thank you for coming. Have a great day. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN.